It's good to see you this morning. I know we have uh, fewer in number. We've got several who are out and uh, several not feeling well this morning. Several who are feeling okay but have been exposed and so keeping themselves in. But we have some who are visiting with us this morning. We're grateful for your presence. Glad we can be together today. Uh, Brother Mike, uh, Sister Cherie are out having been exposed. And so uh, on some, what, some short notice, uh, Mike called and said, hey, uh, you're in. And I said, okay. So last Sunday morning in the Bible class, some of you were present and some of you were not. But we looked together at that parable that uh, was just read from a moment ago in Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the talents. And we spent a lot of time dealing with that parable last Sunday, and it's not my intention to go back through that parable today. But I do want you to focus in on the verses that were read for us just a moment ago in Matthew 25, verses 14 and 15. The Bible describes a man who had a lot of goods, a very wealthy individual. Obviously, we're talking about Jesus in the parable. And he comes to three of his servants, and he delivers to his servants these various amounts of talents. And what I want you to focus in again as we begin this morning to think about this, the Bible says that in fairness, the man gave to each of his servants according to their own ability. And I want you to think about that with me today, where again, this master comes and he doesn't have the same expectation of all three. He doesn't come and say, I know that you're not capable of doing this, but I'm going to load you with it anyway. He comes in fairness and he says, I'm going to give according to your own ability. Now, in fairness, God looks down and he says, you know what? I understand that you have different personalities. I understand that you have different backgrounds. I understand that you live in different cultures. I understand that some have these advantages and some do not have these advantages. I understand that by your very makeup and your very personality... You might have a tendency to be stronger in this area or weaker in this area. He says, I'm not putting blanket expectations across the board on every single individual and every single Christian. I know what you're capable of doing, and you need to know what you're capable of doing. And it is important for us as we examine that, that parable that Jesus gives that the, the master did have expectations of all three, didn't he? He didn't say, I want you just to stay where you are. That I'm okay with you just taking this and burying it in the ground. I'm not okay with that. I want you to enhance your abilities. And this morning I want to think about enhancing our abilities. We all have them. We all have areas where we can excel. We all have different abilities that God has blessed us with. What are we doing with that? Are you okay with some having ability that you don't have? Am I okay with some areas being stronger in other people's lives than my own? But what am I doing with what God has blessed me with? I have my abilities and you have yours. You're the only one who has them. I'm the only one who can do what I can do. But what are we doing with that? This morning there are four areas where I want you to think with me about enhancing our abilities. Tonight, the Lord willing, we'll look at four more. But you're going to find at each of these words, and it's not going to be difficult for you to see exactly where we're going, but there are abilities that you and I need to be working on. And here we are nine days into a brand new year. 
It's a wonderful time to be thinking about our abilities and what we can be doing to enhance our abilities. And so there are four this morning, again, that I want you to consider with me enhancing. Number one, I want to enhance my availability. My availability. I ask the question on the screen, to whom are you most available? Can I ask you that question today? To whom are you most available? Now, you're probably nothing like me, but I have a tendency to screen phone calls. I don't know if you're like me at all, but I have a tendency to screen phone calls. Uh, If I get a number that pops up on this phone that I don't recognize, there's a really, really good chance that's going to voicemail. (laughs) A really good chance that I am not answering that. If I don't recognize the number, I don't know who it is, I'm just going to wait for a voicemail. And if they leave me a voicemail, I'll listen to the voicemail, and then maybe I'll take care of it from there. Probably I will. But if my phone rings and I look down and it says, Ice, Julie, wife, I'm going to answer that. Probably going to answer that one. She's my in case of emergency contact. That's my wife. And so if if my wife calls, I'm probably, no matter where I am or what I'm doing, I'm probably going to answer that phone, especially if I know that she knows where I am and she knows I'm busy at the moment. And so she's probably calling for good reason. So I'll probably answer that. Uh, I don't, my children don't have phones, but uh, if they did and their name popped up, I'd probably answer it. You know, those are my children. I want to be available to my children. Don't you want to be available to yours? There's just certain names, and I'm using a phone as an illustration, but there are certain numbers that pop up. There are certain names. I'm available to them. I have made myself available to them. I want as a husband to be available to my wife. I want as a father to be available to my children. I want as a friend to be available to my friends. To whom are you available I want to be available to these people. These are close people to me in my life. If there are members of this congregation that call, I want to make myself available to them. You say, well, if that's my boss, I'm probably going to answer that phone. I'm available to the company. I'm available to my boss. God is not going to call your cell phone. But what if He did? Are you available? I mean, when God calls, are you available to God? Are you available to Him and to His purpose? Are you available to Him? Is He one that would call upon you and you would say, Yes, God, I'm here. I'm available. Open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, and you might have figured we would get here. But I want you to open your Bibles to the Old Testament, to Isaiah chapter 6, and I want to be reminded of these words of the prophet When God calls him in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse number 8. Isaiah records, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, Here am I, send me. You know what he's doing? Isaiah says, God, I'm available for you. I'm available. You need somebody to go and to, to make this proclamation to your people. You need someone to take your message and declare it to people who are in the world. I am here. I am available for you. 
Now, if you continue past that in verses 9 and following, you're going to find that God says to the prophet, listen, these people of mine, they're really not going to listen to you. These people of mine, when you go and you make this proclamation that I'm sending you to make, they're going to reject you. They're going to reject me, God says, but I need somebody to go. I need someone to take the message. And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. I want to be more available to God in the next year. I want to make myself available to Him to do His work, to take His message, to be in this community. I want to be available to God. Now, why would Isaiah say, here am I, send me? Well, you back up in that context, and it's amazing, and we, we can't do it justice today. But if you back up, this is what the Bible has said previous to verse number 8. For example, in verse number 1, in the year of King Uzziah died, or the king that, king, uh, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of His robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings. With two He covered His face, with two He covered His feet, and with two He flew." And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with His glory. Isaiah says, I saw in a vision God high and lifted up. I saw God high and sitting on His throne. And His glory, he says, filled the whole earth. Brethren and friends, Isaiah was privileged to see what you and I are living to see. God sitting on His throne. That's what we're living to see. That's where we're living to be. That's where we're living to spend eternity. And Isaiah saw it. And he says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Isaiah was privileged to see the very nature of God and His being set apart. He saw the very nature of God and His being sanctified and set apart from everything and everyone else. I want to see the nature of God and His holiness. I want to see that God is set apart from everything else in this world. I want to see that it is not possible for me to hold hands with God and hold hands with the world at the same time. I want to be available to God. Not to the world. Not to anything in this life that would take me away from Him. I want to see this as clearly as Isaiah saw it. And then I want to pick up in verse number 4 and notice what continues. Isaiah says, And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of Him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin purged. What did Isaiah see? Isaiah saw a holy God sanctified, high and lifted up, sitting on His throne, and His glory filled the whole earth. And he was made aware of his weakness. He was made aware of his greatest need. 
I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell amongst men of unclean lips. God, I am unworthy to sit in Your presence. I am unworthy to be here. But that angel touched the lips of Isaiah and pronounced him forgiven. Man's greatest problem is his sin. And what God is showing the prophet is that I have a solution to your greatest problem. Isaiah didn't understand fully exactly how could he have understood fully what Jesus was going to do for him. And yet Isaiah would prophesy time and again about the coming Christ. He would prophesy about the one who would come and who would pronounce him clean. He would prophesy about the one who was coming to offer forgiveness of sin. And brethren and friends, we are privileged to live on this side of the cross. Now, we're not looking into the future about how God is going to take care of the problem. We know, as Brian has reminded us today, that God has taken care of the problem. I want to be available to that God for what He has done for me, for who He is, for the problem that He alone has taken care of because He alone could take care of it. I couldn't, and neither could you. I want to be available to Him. Too many are willing to tell God that I'm available, but only when it fits my schedule. I'm available, but only when I can. I don't want to stand before God and say, God, I just wasn't available then. I know you needed me. I know you needed somebody to go and do your work. I know that that you needed somebody to be about your business, but I was busy. That's not what we see from Isaiah. And we need to be careful about how we're using our time and the availability. I want to be His servant. And I want to work on my availability. I want to enhance that ability in the coming year. What about you? Here's number two. Number two, I want to work on my dependability. I want to enhance my dependability in the coming year. Now, again, you say, well, what's the difference between availability and dependability? Well, I want to make myself available to God, right? He, he needs me, not, not as if I'm anything special, but, but because He has allowed me to be His servant, I want to make myself available to Him. But I want to be more than that. I want to be dependable. I want God to say, I can depend on Him. I know He's available, and I can depend on Him. I can depend on her to do my work, to be about my business, to be about helping others through this life, to be a servant of mine. I have Hananiah on the screen. Have you already made your way to the book of Nehemiah? You recall that Nehemiah was given, or really took on the task, of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem after they'd been destroyed at the hands of Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. Now, after the 70 years of captivity, God's people, this remnant, has been allowed to return to Jerusalem And upon their return, they find that the walls continue to be broken down. And so Nehemiah tasks himself with going back and rebuilding the effort of putting the walls back up. I want you to, before you get to chapter 7, just back up with me. I don't have it on the screen, but back up to verse number 15. 
where the Bible says that the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elul in 52 days. And it happened when all our enemies heard of it and all the nations around us saw these things that they were very disheartened in their own eyes for they perceived that this work was done by our God. See, here's Nehemiah. He's made himself available. God, I will go and I will take care of that effort in rebuilding the walls. And it got done. So here's chapter 7. Verse number 1 says, Then it was when the wall was built and I had hung the doors and when the gatekeepers, the singers, and the Levites had been appointed that I gave the charge of Jerusalem to my brother Hanani and Hananiah, the leader of the citadel, for he was a faithful man and feared God more than many. I love that description, don't you? Here is Hananiah. I am giving him charge of the citadel, Nehemiah says, because I know that he is a faithful man. Is talking about his religion? No. His religion's the next phrase. He feared God greater than many. That's his religion. That's who he was when it came to his relationship with God. He feared God more than many. But before that it says, he was a faithful man. What are we saying? He's dependable. Hananiah, I can count on him. That's what Nehemiah is saying. I can count on him. He is faithful. That's, uh, I think about Paul's words to Timothy over in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. You remember there in, in verse number 2, Paul has said to take these words uh, that have been committed to you and commit them to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. He's not just saying take these words and commit them to people who are Christians. That's important. But he's saying commit them to faithful men. Commit these to reliable, trustworthy, dependable men who will go and teach others also. I wonder if Paul were talking to to us, Timothy, who would he point to and say, "You, you give those words to her. You give those words to him. They're dependable. I can count on them. They're faithful. I want to think about my dependability in the next year. Can God really depend on me to do His work? To be about His business? To stand up when it's required for someone to stand up? Can He really count me to be trustworthy? Are we going to be about His business? Can we really be counted on? Can my brethren really depend on me? What if the furtherance of this, of this congregation depended on you? Are you up for it? Are you okay with that? Are we in good hands? It's something to think about, isn't it, in the next year? And I hope that our young people who are here this morning haven't tuned me out. Because I'm not just talking to adults. I don't care what age you are. You can make yourself available to the work of God. You can be a servant of God no matter how old you are. You've got things that you can do, things that you can be available for, and we need to be working now in our lives at whatever age we are to be dependable. That's a character trait that we would do so well to instill in our young people and just never let go of it. I want to be dependable. You know those people that you've called to your home to do work and they didn't show? Ugh, it's the worst 
right? You need somebody to come and help you. It's something you, you don't have the ability to do yourself. I'm a terrible handyman in so many ways, and I need help. People to come and help me. People to work on my vehicle. I'm terrible at some of those things. I can YouTube it. I can try, but I'm not very good at some of that stuff. And I need help. And you want somebody who's dependable. It goes a long way, doesn't it? Well, God needs people who are dependable. I want to work on that in the next year. I want to be dependable. Here's number three. Abilities. Abilities. Availability. Dependability. How about this ability? There we go. Teach ability. Teach ability. Abilities we're enhancing in the next year. I asked the question again on the screen. How teachable are you? I like to think that I would be pretty teachable. But I've, I've been taught the same things most of my life. I've, I've not had to change, uh, religiously speaking, spiritually speaking. I grew up around Christians. I grew up around the church. And I believed a lot of the same things my whole life. I, outside of religion, how teachable are you? How teachable am I? How willing to learn are you? That's a wonderful trait, isn't it? I remember as a young person, my teachers always saying, hey, just never stop learning. I couldn't wait to stop learning. I couldn't wait to get out of school. I couldn't wait to get out of that environment. And now I have a better appreciation, I think, for what they were trying to tell me. You never stop learning. Always push yourself to greater heights of knowledge. Keep reading. Keep studying. No more. But my friends, when it comes to God and it comes to His Word, how teachable are you? How teachable am I? We get so stuck in our ways that when somebody comes with, with something just a little bit different, our, our, what's our first response to that? Is our first response to bow our back and say, that can't be right? Or will we listen and say, you know what? I want to try to approach it from somebody else's perspective. I don't know if that's right or not. I'm going to study that. I want to see where they're coming from. I want to see what the Bible has to say about that. I never want to be one that someone would say, you can't teach him anything. I want to be teachable. I want to be right with God, don't you? And if somebody can come and show me an area in my life where I am not right with God, I want to be teachable. I just want to be right with God. I want to be willing to learn. I love how the the writer of Proverbs put it through inspiration in Proverbs chapter 9. I am not saying in this point that we need to be ever willing to compromise truth. I am not saying that there isn't such a thing as truth. There is, and the Bible could not be more clear. What I am saying, what we need to be be moldable. We need to be teachable. When somebody comes and teaches us something that maybe we've we've been holding on that, that wasn't right, we need to be willing to listen. This is what the writer of Proverbs says in Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 8. He says, Do not correct a scoffer lest he hate you, but rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will still be wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. I want to be that kind of person, don't you? Willing to listen. Receiving instruction. One who is teachable. 
I want to be like that man from Ethiopia. You remember in Acts chapter 8, what the Bible has to say? I just wonder. I just wonder about myself. I won't wonder about yourself. I wonder about myself. What would I have been like? In Acts chapter 8, you remember the Holy Spirit tells Philip, go and overtake that chariot. And so he gets up to the chariot in verse number 30. The Bible says that Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. And he said, do you understand what you are reading? And the man responds, how can I unless someone guides me? And then he asks Philip to come up and sit with him in the chariot. What's my tendency? Somebody comes up and says, hey, you understand what you're reading? Of course I do. (laughs) Of course I do. I don't have a clue what I'm reading, but of course I do. Pride, isn't it? It's pride that says, I'll figure it out. I don't need you. I'll figure it out. And that man displays an attitude that we would do well to have more of. I need someone to guide me. I welcome your help. I want you to teach me. If I'm doing something that's wrong, I need you to be my friend and tell me that I've done something wrong. Before I leave this point, I just want to run over to chapter 18 in the book of Acts because I think it's very telling, again, of how we might tend to be, how I might tend to be. And I think about this and the way that Apollos is described. The Bible says this about him in verse number 24 of Acts chapter 18 that a certain Jew named Apollos was born at Alexandria. Alexandria was where the, the big library was. Smart people came from the city of Alexandria. That was a very intelligent place to be. He was an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures. Mighty in the Scriptures. He had a little information, didn't he? He had a little knowledge of the Bible. And he came to Ephesus. This man, the Bible says in verse 25, had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he was fervent in spirit. He spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. And when Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace, for he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the Scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. I'm just saying, sometimes we look at the pedigree of a man like Apollos, And we look in the mirror and say, wow, you know what? That's just me. (laughs) I mean, look at me. Look at how smart I am. Look at how eloquent I am. Look at what I can do. I am one that I would consider to be, uh, people would look at and say, he is mighty in the Scriptures. Look at him and, and look at what he can do. Look at her. She has studied the Bible her whole life. She's such an eloquent speaker. She does such a good job. She seems to know everything. Apollos, Apollos didn't know everything. And a couple loved him enough to pull him over to the side and teach him more accurately the things of Jesus. I just wonder, would I receive instruction as easily as Apollos did? Am I teachable? I want to work on my teachability in the coming year. 
I want to look into the pages of God's Word with an attitude that says, teach me. I just want to learn. How teachable will you be in the next year? How teachable will you be? The final one I want you to think with me this morning. Availability, dependability, teachability, and finally, how about adapt? Ability. Enhancing your ability to adapt. You know, we, we've kind of been uh, pressed a little bit in the last couple of years to make some adaption, right? To be willing to adjust, to make some changes in our lifestyles and changes because we see this happening in the world around us. It's not always easy, is it? I don't like change. I'll just be honest. I, I don't take it very well all the time. I'm not so easy to adapt uh, on all occasions. But I ask the question again, how adaptable are you? I want you to think with me before we close today about Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I want you to go with me there to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And I want you to think about what I mean exactly when we talk about being adaptable. As Christians, we're talking about being adaptable. And Paul said, as a servant of Jesus, I have become uh, to have, or I've come to have the ability to adapt to different situations and to different people that I find myself with, with a very lofty goal in mind. And I want you to see it with me. In 1 Corinthians 9, beginning in verse number 19, Paul says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. To the Jews, I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under law as under law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law as without law not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Verse 23 goes on to say, For this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker of it with you. This is what I mean on this point of adaptability. Paul says, you know what? I'm not bound to the laws of man as if the laws of men are going to save me. But this is what I do know. I know that if I'm around somebody who's come out of Judaism, those who have the law, those who have come out of the old law, he says, I'm going to adapt and be able to teach them and come at them from a perspective of where they are. I know that they know the Old Testament. And so probably I'm going to do a lot of quoting the Old Testament. I know all these prophecies that were made about Jesus. And so when it comes to somebody who's got a Jewish background, I'm adaptable and I will be able to hone in and teach them from that perspective. But on the other hand, I've got these other people who have come out of Gentile background. They didn't have the old law. They don't know the Old Testament. They don't know a lot of Scripture. I'm going to adapt to where they are, and I'm still going to be able to bring them along to save them. To the weak, I will become weak. 
Again, to those who don't have great knowledge of the Scriptures, I will still be able to interact with them. I will find some way to to find something in common that I might be able to reach them with the Gospel of Christ. And so you've got these weak Gentiles and you've got these who might be the stronger who have come out of Judaism. And he says, I've got to be willing and able to adapt. If these people have this interest, then I will be interested in it. If these people have this interest or this hobby, then I will learn as much as I can learn about that. But what's the goal? To win their soul. Paul says that is what I'm about. I will adapt. I will do whatever I have to do to reach that Soul. He said it many times in those verses. He's going to say it again in the last verse of chapter 10. Just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. I will move myself out of my comfort zone and I will try to reach those who are lost with the gospel. That's what I'm about. That's what Paul is saying. I can't talk to those people. I don't know anything about where they're coming from. Learn it. Study. See what you can come up with to reach people who are lost. That person has tattoos all the way up and down their arms. I've got nothing in common with them. Learn something about them. Reach them. They've got a soul. Move out of your comfort zone. Do something to try to reach them with the gospel. James said over in James chapter 3 and verse 17 that the wisdom that is from above is willing to yield. It is not willing to compromise the truth, but is willing to yield. Willing to find common ground. Willing to find a starting point with someone who is lost that you might be able to reach them with the gospel. It's not just a matter of being adaptable for the sake of being adaptable. But the motive is to bring people to Jesus. I want to be adaptable. I want to be willing to look at people who don't have the same color of skin as me and see their soul. I want to be willing to look at people who don't speak the same language that I speak and be adaptable. Find some way to reach them with the gospel. I want to find a way to be adaptable. How adaptable will you be in the next year? Adaptability. I, I've been training and trying to help you, some, many of you, to, to learn the back to the Bible study. I love that study. I've tried to tell you how much I love that study. By the way, with everything going on, uh, I'm not planning to do that study today. Not planning to meet today at 4 o'clock. But that's not a one-size-fits-all approach, you know. I like it. I use it most. But that's not the only way to reach somebody with the gospel. We need to have method. You need to have a tool. You need to have something at your disposal, many things at your disposal, trying to load that table out there with more and more uh, things that we can use. But we're going to have to be adaptable. We're going to have to come up with a system. We're going to have to come up with some way to reach somebody. 
Sometimes a one-size-fits-all approach works. and some, I mean, it just doesn't. It's not going to work all the time. What are you doing about it to be adaptable? Learn people. Learn where they are. And try to come up with a way to help them to be right with, with Jesus. That's all that Paul was about, and that's all I want to be about. And I know that's you, and I know that's what you want to be about. We need to be adaptable. This morning, as you think about these abilities that we want to enhance in the coming year, and you think about where you sit today as a Christian, and you say, you know what? I've just not been available. i am just not made myself available. I've said to God, I'll give you an hour a week, but that's really all I've given Him. I'm not even coming back to worship Him uh, all the time. I've not been making myself available to God like I know I should. Think about that today as a Christian. Think about your dependability today as a Christian. Can He really depend on you? Can our shepherds depend on you as a member of this congregation to do the work? Are you dependable? Are you teachable? This morning, my friend, if you're not a Christian, I'm just trying to help you with what the Bible says that we must do in order to be saved. Believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God is a requirement that God makes. A willingness to confess your faith in Him as the Son of God, that's a requirement that God makes. A willingness to repent of sin in your life, that's a requirement that God makes for your salvation, my friend. And you being immersed in the waters of baptism, that is a requirement that God makes for your salvation. Will you come to Him today? My friend, let us be adaptable. Let us help people who are not right with Jesus to be right. Let us strive to obey Him in all ways, enhancing our abilities. As a Christian today, you examine your life and you say, I need help. I need my brethren to be praying for me. I haven't been dependable. I haven't made myself available. I need to repent of such. I'm ready to go. If you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, it's extended to you. If you're not a Christian, there's no better time to become one than right now. And if you will, then come right now while together we stand and while we sing.